Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. CC and welcome all to our weekly podcast, The Current View, with the Audibles brother, Mr. Terry Curran. And if you're listening to the free first half on either Acast or Spotify, you can follow the links on our socials and access the full podcast via Apple or become a patron, all the w's.patreon.com forward slash SRV Media. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Current View, on Facebook, The Current View, and The Current View on Instagram. Or join the chat with the group, The Current View, which has over 3,000 members today. Thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Steady away, how are you doing? Steady away. <laughs> <laughs> that is the title of your new book. Are you doing the, are you doing the dishes? No, I'm just getting some chicken out for jocks. Uh, dinner for tomorrow. Went for work. And how are, gonna, the, how are the boys? Sit down now. Okay, how are they're the boys? Fine. They're all right. They're yeah. both fine, yeah. Yeah. I'm running up and down because obviously with Janet, like she is, yeah. she's not been not too well lately, so I've been up and down. But other than that, not too bad. Good to see. Moments, magic moments that you've sourced this week, TC. What have you got for us? Well, there's three, there's three incidents, and I usually go for one, as you know. The two Sheffield Wednesday goals. Yeah. Uh, not last night, but the one on on Saturday, uh, the move and the the shot itself, absolutely sublime. And uh, I, I watched the game last night and Benzema's goal last night. That was another one. But both Sheffield Wednesday's goals, uh, the second one with the move and everything, intricate passing, and Sheffield Wednesday looking a bit sharp this season. So yep. let's hope that we're on to a winner. Absolutely. League Division 1 champions this year with a little bit of luck too. With a bit of luck. That's not, uh, you know, just a, a typical professional football, though, one game at a time. Absolutely. Well, you know, seri- in all seriousness, that's what you have to do. Take one game at a time, beat what you've got in front of you, then go and win the next game. And momentum, you get that momentum. And then when you play 10 games or so and you're top of the league and you're a few points clear, you look and you think, happy days, this could be our season. But you're right, TC, one game at a time. I always look at three magic moments. And uh, I've got to say, in third place this week, uh, the opening of the Stanley Bowl stand, and uh, Chris Willock's goal. I mean, if ever there was a goal... Yeah, that was another him. great goal, wasn't it? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. You posted that. Yeah. You know, I don't like, I don't like pinching yours when you post them, but uh, no, that, that was a great goal. Well, I like to find things and I like to have a look and we're all busy and we don't see everything and it's lovely to see other people's posts and go... Oh, yeah, that was absolutely a right magic moment. But I think the way that the QPR fans have stood up for their idol and hero, Stan Bowles, 
And, you know, they've had one or two scenarios with the football club and there's been a little bit of infighting within the club and supporters groups and management of the football club. But it's all come together and and the family of Stan Bowles were received uh, on Saturday against Middlesbrough. And I thought that that goal in particular was really befitting and they won 3-2. It was a great game. And it was everything really that Stanley stands for. So, well done to all my QPR uh, friends. And I know how hard that they've worked because I've been in direct conversations with uh, one or two of them. So, uh, so well done, Queen's Park Rangers. When you all work together for a common goal, it's amazing what results you can actually achieve. A we res- can all... Yeah, go on, sorry. No, you carry on, T. We can all look at, you know, the off-field uh, antics of, of Stan. But it's about what he what he did for the football c- uh, club on the field. And, you know, he has got to go down in, in probably as um, QPR's greatest player. You know, uh, they've had some great players, make no mistake, but what a player he was for QPR. I'm not saying he's the best man, I'm not saying he's the worst man, but what I'm trying to say is, anybody who went to watch Stan Bowles got the money's worth and got the value's worth of watching football when he... When he uh, when he walked onto that football field and performed for Queen's Park Rangers. Absolutely. But with a player like Stan, that you know, when when you look at that iconic player, what he'd done off the pitch was was also just as important as what he'd done on the pitch because, you know, Stan was that kind of lovable rogue that the QPR fans bought into not just Stanley on the pitch but Stanley off the pitch and I think that when you marry the two up I don't think that in association football we've probably ever seen an Englishman that that done what Stan did both on and off the pitch okay you could argue that George Best would you know but he was from Ireland and and again different levels on the pitch but you know Stan was Stan was just like yeah, but, but what I, what I'm getting at as you know, uh, the fans will buy into it. Yeah. But the woke brigade, uh, even what's gone on for years, mm-hmm. didn't like what Stan did off the pitch. Yeah. That's why he yeah. never got that recognition yeah. from the directors and the people what's uh, around Queen's Park Rangers. Not them all, but you know enough of them to, you know, to always hold that. Uh, Stumbling block up, mm. I, but I agree with you one hundred percent. The fact the fans bought into it because they would laugh at his off-field antics. Yeah, but they cried his breathtaking performance on the pitch. Uh, absolutely, too. And I think the friendship they developed with uh, Don Shanks was, you know, one of, one of the great partnerships in in football. And Don did say that they were like two cartoon characters going through life, just leaving a trail of destruction behind them. And that was the 70s. Sadly, the life and the game isn't like that today. And, and I think no. it's the no. sadder for it because yeah, back, in our day, back in our day, we had characters. Uh, my second... But, well, but, when, but now you mentioned Don Shanks, I think he needs a, a round of applause. Yes, he does, Shanks. For all the hard work and pushing for, for, for Stan. And he's yeah. stood by Stan. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, when Stan became Miller, as well as, you know, but even even Don's off-field antics, you know, uh, could cause the problems. But at the end of the day, like I'm saying, you know, he 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 deserves a round of applause for putting up for sticking by Stan. 
Oh, absolutely. And the um, I'm fighting for him all the way, you know. Yeah, yeah. the story that um, that Don tells about, I think they were in a, I think they were away in Belgium at the time, when Stan Stan bet him a fiver that um, that he could get a brandy, and all the bars were closed, and it it, it was it was unbelievable. Because them boys would bet upon anything. Two spiders going up a wall. What cars were going to go past the training ground next? Was it a red car? Was it a blue car? I mean, they, they really did live life to the full. And uh, God bless Stanley and Don Shanks as well. And they're a good mate of, of Alan Hudson. And, you know, between um, and, and my friendship and working with Alan, I've, you know, you get involved with these people and uh, Shanks is an absolute top man as well. So, uh, so well done to Don. Well done to all the QPR supporters. And um, thank you, Stanley, for the memories that you gave, not just Queen's Park Rangers fans, but all football fans and all fans that appreciated football played in the right way. Uh, Sars goal for Watford against uh, West Bromwich Albion in the league. Oh. You know, yeah. Sorry, it was a league Unbe- game, wasn't it? it? Wasn't the league cup? Unbelievable. Yeah. But sure, like, like we always say it every week, you, you pick one out, you pick two out, you pick three out, and there's there's others as equally what we've left off. Yeah. As good as if not better. Because mm. it's only opinions, isn't it? But he sees a goalie off his line, he thinks I'll have a popper. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> but then. I mean, Jock says to me, "What's the goalkeeper doing?" I said, "Jock, what about the vision?" Yep. What about you know the. The youngers see football different to what we do, Gabby, don't they? They do because the young and I was watching the game with the young and he said when he took the penalty, I bet he misses. He scored a goal from <laughs> over the alpha. And Tom said, I bet he misses the penalty. <laughs> and, he, and he's mad in it that he scores a goal from over the halfway line, his own half, and he misses one from twelve yards. But again, that's football, isn't it? It's a well, crazy it old game. You see it you see it week in and week out with some of your teams. Uh, or some of the teams, some of, some of your teams, and then there's some of the teams, you know, opposition. And you think, what a great goal that is. The same player misses the city. You think, yeah. how's it? How's he scored that one and missed that one? But it does happen. I think it, it keeps us all level-headed. It keeps us all human. It keeps us understanding that the game can bite you on the backside if you're not careful. And you have to play every moment as though it's your last and put everything into everything every minute that you play on a football pitch. And when you don't do that, you think, oh, this is quite easy. It will, as I say, bite you on that bum. And it, and it did for Saar in the same match. Scores a goal from his own half and misses a penalty. But that's football. And then my other magic moment was Darwin Nunes' goal against uh, Fulham. He did have that flick moments earlier and then... The ball come over and he'd done that flick and he put it into the back of the net. And I thought, when you look at, I love bits of skill and improvisation. And uh, he just, for me, looks a player. I know he's only played bits and pieces. He started on the bench, he'd come on, he changed the game. But he does look a player. And if he can give me moments of magic like that, I'll be watching Liverpool uh, very often when they play. Like you said, when you see that type of bit of magic, you think, wow. You know, because, but having said that, you see, I mean, that's that's about fourth or fifth one we've seen now from the halfway line. Yeah. It was the Pelly, it was the Pelly one what we first saw years yeah, ago. Seven, but, so, yeah. but, you know, and everybody went, wow, and he just missed. But other players have achieved it without having Pelly's ability. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable, Jeff. 
Yeah, Gammy I mean, would say. Simon scored a goal from the halfway line as well, uh, Falkirk. But there's yes. no video evidence because the, the manager destroyed it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, players do look at... And, and we get influenced by what we see, and that's why I love the magic moments. And for any kids that listen to us, you know... I used to do that when I used to watch you guys play football. I'd watch Match of the Day, I'd get my ball out and I'd try and emulate what you did. And and I think that's what football is all about. It's watching games, being influenced, getting a ball out and just trying those skills and seeing if it works for you. I watched the Bradford and um, Old City game, give it 17 minutes. I turned it over and watched East Enders. It was absolutely awful. Some of it, some of it now I, I've stopped watching. But going back to what you say, it's only what I did as a kid watching George Best, watching Eddie Gray, watching uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, Willie Ender, oh, watching all these great uh, yeah. forwards, you know, Stan Bowles. And I mean, Alan Hudson's a different because he was a midfield player. Me mm. being, being a forward, wanting to go past people. But I admired, I admired the Currys, the Hudsons, the balls of this world with the, you know, your Glenn Oddles. You can you can rip, rip them off, um, Colin Bells of this world, Bobby Charlton's, you know, unbelievable players. But I wanted to emulate uh, George Best, you know, uh, Willie uh, Willie Johnson, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Willie yeah. Henderson, Dave Thomas, all the, them type of players. Yeah, F- uh, Phil Peter Thompson at uh, Liverpool, great players. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's been influenced, and without them players of the past, we don't do the now. And we look forward to the future. So, guys, keep giving us the magic moments. We'll keep talking about it. We'll keep promoting them on our social media outlets. And uh, thank you for all the magic moments you give the game. And I've also got to mention Kevin De Bruyne's pass um, mm. for uh, for uh, Ireland's goal. That was absolutely sublime. And the way that he ran up and took that penalty. For a great penalty. You're never going to say that. I'm no. never going to say that. But what about his pace? Yeah, absolutely. From the past, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I watched him against Liverpool. And I thought, have these made the right decision here? Because are they yeah. going to play? Are they going to play a different way? Mm. No, they played. The, they played the normal way. They made the chances, and he took them. And he's going to be some danger to the rest of the teams this season. Well, he comes with a pedigree, doesn't he? I mean, he's, oh. his dad played professionally for. Manchester City and he had that infamous incident with Roy Keane, with Roy Keane yeah. I was waiting I said to Tom I wonder if he's got, Roy Keane's going to interview him after that'll be very interesting and at some time in some stage this season they're going to have to probably talk together and I'll be quite interested you know uh, Erling Ireland approaches that that frosty situation we never know I don't think it will yeah. but you know They'll push it and try to give it that, but I don't think I don't think they will because you know it, there was a lot of conflict between our, his dad and yeah. Roy Roy Keane, weren't there? So Absolutely. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but it'd be interesting. Absolutely, TC. What's also interesting is the books that we find and the books that uh, are given to us, and the books that are promoted in so many fabulous publications. Um, the first one that we're going to talk about is the book that was given to us by our in association with football myfootballbooks.com andy we do a regular millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Podcast that's grown out of the current view, uh, Book Corner. So this is our feature on the podcast that we just took football books and uh, Andy's given us all crazy now he has before and he will do again because it's the most fantastic book it's written by David Tossel I have done a podcast with David it's out on the socials the picture on the front is there's George Best there's Kevin Keegan smashing Billy Bremner although it was Johnny Joel's that smashed Kevin Keegan earlier in the game as well. Brian Clough with his uh, finger over his mouth. And on the back, you've got Don Reavy and you've got Alan Hudson. It's a 500-page, uh, wonderful publication out by Pitch Publishing uh, of the 70s, English football and the footballers in the 70s. And it was the, the age where... The flare players wore the flares. It's everything that you want and more from a game of football. And when you look at the cover, you know, it just says everything. I want to read it. And um, just all the colours and and everything. Because for me, the 70s was the most fabulous uh, decade in football. There is another book out as well, which I'm going to give a shout to while we're talking football books in the 70s. Get it on, how the 70s rock football by John Sperling and Grandad, What Was Football Like in the 70s uh, by Richard Crooks and Richard's wrote a number of books of which you feature in uh, at least two of them, TC, the 70s and the 80s and rightly so as well. Well, I weren't bad, Gabby. I must admit, going to play in the third division didn't help my career and I got a lot of stick for it from people in the game higher up saying that I would ruin my career going playing down. But have I seen somewhere that Udi's going to be writing a book? Alan's uh, written a book. He's got the um, the Working Man's Ballet. Alan's wrote a number of other football books. But um, I'm, I'm not sure that you didn't I'm say sure, anything I thought, today. I, I thought I'd seen something where he's going to write another book. Where, I where must be dreaming. Listen, I could be dreaming, Gabby. Alan's always, he's, Alan is always writing. He's always listening to music. I phoned him up today, and um, he was uh, he was listening to uh, to music. He's he's always got them long players on, so he's always doing something. He doesn't stop. He's just like when he was on the football pitch. He was a genius and an artist on it, and he is a genius and an artist off it as well. So, so yes, yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me. But uh, I'll give him a shout tomorrow and ask him if he is writing another book. So I'm, I'm not aware that he is, but I'm aware that he writes daily 
And if he isn't writing another book, he should be because his writings are absolutely fabulous. I could sublime, yeah. yeah sublime. I could listen to Alan like yourself and, and really speaks a lot of sense, really, Alan. Really, you know, yeah, without anger, really. I mean, people will say, "Well, what are you talking about?" Uh, he's got the bitterness with the England thing. I understand that, but majority of his writing, there's no bitterness in it. No, and I think that... Disappoint, there's a bit disappointment in it, but we all do that because, you know, sometimes people think that we've let people down. People don't realise that Alan and Stan Bowles, uh, Frank Worthington, myself, Malcolm McDonald, were all let down, let down by certain managers. Yeah, absolutely. Foot, football, you know, the one thing that I've learned through doing the podcast with both yourself and Alan is how important managers are and how managers can actually make or destroy a player. And and Alan played with a few that wasn't particularly very good. And then he met his mentor, Tony Waddington, who was like a second father. And unfortunately, in January 1976, we had a really high wind. It blew down the Butler's Lane uh, roof. And as a consequence, Jimmy Greenoff, and Alan Hudson were sold at the end of the season, and and it happens. But I mean, I always say to Alan, you were an absolute luckless genius. You know where some people carry that, you know, Midas touch with them. Listen, it was like Midas touching reverse with others. That's a great shout. And people say, "Ah, oh, you make your own look." But listen, sometimes look, look at me. Yeah, I'm at Forest, playing out my skin. Yeah, uh, get a bad injury. They're going to win every mortal thing. Right. I go to Everton, bottom at league, second bottom at league, going nowhere, turned them round, signed again, went on loan, signed again, uh, my first game back, pulls an injury, goes and win everything. Yeah. You know, you see, it, sometimes that look does not go with you. No, it doesn't. Whereas some people, like you said, they have that look and everything drops in line for them. Yeah, I mean, Alan says to me, he says, you know, usually with transfers, football transfers, you know, they're football reasons. And he said, with all my transfers, they, they wasn't really football reasons that I got transferred. And it, it is quite incredible. And, you know, we, we, we do, well, we've done a, a number of, of podcasts together, as you know, and the one that we've done quite recently was the if only and the if only moments in football. And, Football is littered with if only moments, but yeah. that's a fantastic book, All Crazy Now, by David Tossel. It's been out for some time, and that's a recommendation from Andy from uh, myfootballbooks.com, who we do this feature in association with. Uh, Steve Perryman. I want to give a shout out to, uh, to Steve's book, Forever a Spur, My Lily White Blue and Life with Adam Howley. And Steve is doing. He's in, he's in the process of writing another book about the 1981 FA Cup final. And the referee of that was uh, Mr. Hackett from, from down Sh- your way. Yes. Yeah, great referee. Yeah. Great referee. Simon played it. Is that the one? Is that the Manchester City one or was that the QPR? No, one? it was the Man City. It was, do you remember, Ozzy's on his way to oh, Wembley? Yeah. That was the 81, Man City. And then 82, when they play QPR and Simon and Tony Curry played against them the season after in 1982 when Tottenham won it it, two years on the spin. But he's going to be writing a book about the 1981, which was the 100th FA Cup final. I know that the 
uh, centenary was 1972 because it started in 1972, but we have had wars, etc. since, well, during that time. So the 100th FA Cup final was that one in 1981 when Tottenham played against Manchester City and Ricky Villa scored that phenomenal goal, goal to, yeah. uh, to, to take the cup back to White Hart Lane. Uh, Steve, tell some brilliant stories. He's got a that wonderful was, that, podcast out as well. So, yeah. That was the best FA Cup final goal I'd seen. That was brilliant. And do you know, it was born in Argentina, literally, that goal. Because when Ricky lived out on his ranch, he, he used to get a ball and he'd just dribble around trees. And he didn't really play in the, in the team uh, till he was a bit older. And, and all he used to do is just like to dribble with the ball and the teachers you said Ricky Ricky pass 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 and it was literally in that 81 final where the Spurs players went Ricky Ricky pass pass what a goal because yeah. he went round them players like they were trees back on his ran- ran- ranch in Argentina but uh, he's coming back over and uh, Steve Perryman Ozzy Ardiles and um, and Ricky Villa are going out and doing an evening with so we will put that up on our socials Three great players and that Tottenham team, a wonderful side. And uh, all come out on the back of the 1978 World Cup finals when Argentina won. It leads us nicely to our final book, Blood on the Crossbar, by Rhys Richard, the Dictatorship World Cup. And it's about the 1978 World Cup finals in Argentina. If you remember, TC, in 1977, we played Argentina, and that was the first game that I remember seeing uh, via satellite in this country. Yes, uh, it was. When you when you really get to sports personalities, what defend uh, the people's rights? That's when I think any person watching football, uh, whether people say, "Well, they shouldn't get sports shouldn't get mixed shouldn't get mixed up in uh, politics," I agree. But when when the politics gets to as bad as it was then, yeah. as it is now, that's when the real people have to stand up and be counted. You know, is it about money or is it about your country? And I would always put country before money. I think everybody with um, with soul no. would put um, their country yeah. and football. Before money, because I think that if you're good enough, the money will come after. So yeah. I think that you've always got to put football, the, the game of football, your country, your people, before any of this ridiculous scenario that's been going on since time started. But that looks to be a fabulous book. Uh, and I think on the front of it is Daniel Passarella, who was the Argentine. What a player. Oh, I mean, they were a great team. What a defender. I know that there was a lot of. Was the bribery the sixty six the sixty six thing what a what a bad one. Yes. Yeah, that's when they were you know, they were still technically brilliant, but they were ratting, vicious. wasn't it? They were yeah, vicious. They weren't just ratting, but they were vicious. Yeah. Uh but I mean Pelly got a lot of stick in that World Cup. Um but uh that uh Passavella team, uh Aussie Ideal Aussie and all those players, Kempes, Luke you know, absolutely sublime players. And we had Technically one of them. gifted. Yeah, we had one of them, Alberto Tarantino. Tar- yeah, Birmingham, Tar- yeah. Yeah, Tarantino come and well, played you, for Birmingham. You know, you know that uh, 
You heard that story with Jim Smith about yeah. the ball, didn't you? This <laughs> you is the ball, us. put it in here. <laughs> Jim Smith had just signed him. He said to him, this is the ball, and I want you to put the ball in the back of the net. And he spoke in perfect English, I know. Tell the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem, the problem was in that season that Alberto joined Birmingham. So it was the 78-79 season. Both Trevor and Keith Burchin had really bad injuries and had the legs in plaster, plaster for a certain amount of time during that season. So Alberto really come at the wrong time. Had he come the season before, Birmingham finished 11th and beat both Manchester United and Liverpool away in January of 78. But again, it's all about timing and I think Alberto... Just come a little bit too you've late. Got to play in, you've got to play. Good players have got to play in good teams. Absolutely. And I think... it's, like, it's like good good players, when they're going mm. to manage, make sure they get a good team. Else they can struggle and it makes them look poor. Absolutely too. So. And on this day, uh, Andy always gives me an on this day, the 10th of August uh, 1974, the charity shield between Leeds United and Liverpool took place. And that was the first season that it was contested between the champions and the FA Cup winners at the permanent home, which was Wembley. Yes, they played at the Millennium Stadium when Wembley was closed, but it is back at Wembley. I know it was at, at the uh, Leicester Stadium this year because of the Lionesses playing in the Euros. But 1974 was a pivotal year because it did bring that Charity Shield. And the Charity Shield that started in 1898 as the the Sheriff of London Charity Shield by uh, Lord... Oh, what's his name now? I can't believe... Lord, Lord Dewar. He started it and it was it was started as the best English um, professional team against the best amateur team. And then it started right. in 1907, became the Charity Shield and they've played in different guises. In fact, in 1971, when Arsenal were the uh, the champions, they couldn't play in the charity shield. So Liverpool, who were the finalists, Leicester won the second division. They competed in 72. In 19, sorry, 1971. In 72, Villa won the third division. Man City finished fourth. They competed at Villa Park for the, uh, the charity shield in 72. And in 73... Uh, Colin Waldron scored a goal for um, Burnley at Main Road. Burnley won 1-0. Frank Casper took the free kick. And then in 74, it was the champions against the FA Cup winners. But in 72, interestingly, um, both Derby County and Leeds United that won the league and won the cup respectively didn't didn't want to play in it. And Arsenal, the season before, had already booked a pre-season tour. I didn't know that. So didn't Leeds and... Uh, didn't you not play that year then? Sorry, what year? When Derby, when Derby, when Derby won the league and Leeds won the FA Cup. So the fuck didn't the Charity Shield take place then? Yeah, it did. But Villa, Villa played um, played Manchester City. Man City finished fourth in 1972, and Aston Villa won the third division title. And they well, how played did they get out. away with that then? But that's what happened. It wasn't always 
the winners of the FA Cup and, and the winners of the Football right, League. Right. It, I it, always it, thought it were. I just showed you them. No, it? there's been lots. Of, I think it'd be a great book. The History of the Charity Shield. SRB Media.